welcome to PodRocket, a podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try for free at LogRocket.com today. My name is Paul, and joined with us is Zach Lloyd. He is currently pioneering the development in the company Warp, and he has tons of experience such as working on Google Sheets and Google Docs. He's been around the block, and we're here to talk about Warp and some of the newest updates coming to Warp, such as Warp Drive. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. Excited to be here, Paul. Thank you for having me. You were on about a year ago. Before I spoil too much, for folks who haven't listened, I'll hand it over to you to just tell the newcomers, what is Warp? So Warp is a, as a company, we're trying to build software that helps other developers ship better software more quickly. As a product, we are a reimagination of the command line terminal, kind of a complete rethinking from the ground up, from the perspective of the terminal's user experience. How do you improve it? How do you make it smarter? How do you make it collaborative? Those are the three big product points we're trying to hit on. And the reason that we're focusing on the terminal is that it's a very widely used tool. Most developers are using the command line every day, whether they like it or not. It's a place where a lot of important work happens. For a lot of developers, it's where they do their sort of like build, test, run cycle. For some developers, it's where they code. If you're doing like production work, any kind of DevOps, SRE, or backend work, it's where you're controlling all of your cloud services. It's probably the most popular platform for writing internal tools. We basically saw an important tool that's used by most developers. And uh, in my opinion, it's not a great piece of software historically. It's something that hasn't really changed much in the last 40 years. I think that manifests as a, being a difficult tool to learn, a, bit, a difficult tool to configure. Basic UX stuff that you expect, like the mouse working, doesn't really work. You know, what we're trying to do at Warp is build the tool that we think developers really would want to have to do all these tasks. We're a few years into that. We're only on Mac right now, but are working to bring it to more platforms. And I think we have a pretty cool start on it. So that's, that's kind of the basics of it. Reinventing the terminal is a great way, I feel like, to target, especially like newcomers into the ecosystem, because it's an archaic, difficult piece of software to wrangle, especially for your first time and bridging that gap. I know you folks have done some work on making even that intro that first step into the ecosystem easier. The UI, the UX, and the operating system. So where does Warp draw those abstraction divisions? So when you're thinking about CLIs and terminals and shells, there's a few pieces of things to clarify. Warp, Warp is a terminal, which is the, it's like the actual GUI application that you're running. So it's like a native Mac app. When you run the terminal, what it typically will do is launch a shell. And so the shell is typically Bash or ZSH or Fish. ZSH is the default on Mac now. And the way to think of like the dividing line between those things is everything has to do with like actually making like a native Mac app, like painting pixels on the screen, handling character input, handling events, like doing the actual user interaction at the level of the GUI is done through the terminal. And what the shell does is it takes character input from the terminal. So you type characters in. It interprets those and then it runs a program. And those programs, these are all text-based apps. They output text back and then the terminal is responsible for the rendering of those on the screen. So that's like the traditional division. When you're running the terminal app, you're really like running something that is emulating the like a piece of hardware. 
that isn't really made anymore. So you're emulating, it used to be like a VT100, like a physical terminal, like what you'd see in the hacker movies. Yeah, what, what is a VT100? What is that? If I could interrupt quickly, I'm curious. It's like a piece of hardware that was made by, I think, the Digital Equipment Corporation, like DEC. And the simplest way to think about it was like back in the day, what this hardware did was it was like a keyboard. So you could put in characters. Those characters would be- go basically over like a line directly into a, a shell or some environment that would process the characters. And then all of like the running of programs and like producing output would happen within that shell layer. And then the shell would output characters. And the other big responsibility of the terminal was to interpret that character output and print the characters to the screen. In its simplest thing, it's like as characters come back from the shell, the terminal just put them on the screen. But there's also like a sort of control language that that has developed. So it's like the shell can write back things that are not characters to be printed to the screen, but they're things that control how the printing actually happens. So if you want to move the cursor to someplace or delete characters. And so there's like this protocol that exists. And that protocol, it's, it's not like super standardized, but the... The kind of de facto terminal to shell compatibility is something that was shipped with this like old VT100. And then there's other series of VT hardware terminals. But for like the purposes of, you know, a modern developer, I think the interesting thing is like when you're running the terminal app or even running Warp to some extent, you're running like a piece of software that's actually copying the behavior of this old school piece of hardware. Now, in Warp, we, we are a terminal, we run shells, but we've taken the perspective that's like almost an implementation detail as far as a lot of developers are concerned these days. You know, I think a lot of developers, and I think like actually it's kind of the right mental model is like you're just using a command line interface or using like a REPL. And if you think about it like that, we've blurred some of the distinctions between terminal and shell in an attempt to produce a user experience that is a little bit more modern and accessible and warp is backwards compatible with your shells, but we try to do more stuff in the terminal. You know, most terminals are kind of dumb is how you would talk about it. Like they're really just character rendering devices. Warp is smarter. Like we're pushing more of the application logic into the terminal layer and we have more of a vertically integrated command line experience. And just to give like concrete examples, what does that mean? It means like we've taken the input editor lives in warp as opposed to living inside the shell, which is how it typically works. And the reason we did that is because we can now in warp offer like a modern input editing experience, meaning you can use the mouse to edit text, which is crazy. That doesn't exist in normal terminal. But even beyond that, you can do multiple cursor editing. You get syntax highlighting, you get auto suggestions, you get completions and the completions are like visual completions that work with menus. And so there's a lot of stuff that we can do to improve the command line experience if you're willing a little bit to blur the lines between the terminal and the shell experience. Thinking about the text editing experience be being at this higher level that you guys are creating is really compelling because if there's something like a drop-down menu I could get, I would need some crazy terminal plugins. I mean, it's it's kind of amazing what developers have built in terms of like shell plugins to try to replicate GUI type interactions. There's a whole class of apps, which you'll sometimes hear people talk about called TUI apps, TUI apps, which are like text-based UIs. You're essentially using the character grid in a terminal to make something that kind of looks like a GUI menu element and 
I don't know. To me, at that point, it's like you probably want to just have the native menus and native interactions and not do it using characters. However, I will say there are some intrinsic advantages to that approach, which Warp will still, it still supports them if that's the best way for it to work. But for instance, one advantage to the text only approach is that if you are attached to a remote machine, that doesn't even have any kind of windowing logic. Text is a sort of universal wire protocol where you can drive all of this stuff. So there are some advantages to the old school way of doing it, but what we're really focused on is from first principles, what's going to make the most usable command line experience for developers. And by usable, we mean you shouldn't have to spend a ton of time configuring it. It should work mostly like your other apps work. It should be like intelligent, help you accomplish the task that you're trying to accomplish. It should be collaborative, meaning most terminals, not most, basically every terminal except for Warp is like a piece of local desktop software. And we're trying to make Warp something that works for teams, not just for individuals. Like I said, we're trying to reimagine this experience to help developers ship better software. Do you find yourself and your team at this crossroads of what is that experience and is it a safe experience for developers? If they saw Warp as their first thing, do you run through your mind about, oh, is this the right level of abstraction to expose them? Or is it too high? There are some folks that will say there's value to keeping understanding of the lower level primitives. And so, yeah, I'm curious about where you guys have maybe run into that decision. You know, like, like I said before, so Warp is backwards compatible and Warp still works like you're running commands and getting output and you're running text-based apps. That uh, That is not changed at all. We don't hide that from the user. I think a good example of what we do do, though, is like we attempt to make the writing of those commands a lot easier. For example, like we have a feature in Warp uh, that uses AI that lets you ask for a command in natural language. But what we do is we don't just like go directly from natural language to execution. We go from natural language to showing you the command and giving you a chance to execute it. So as a developer, you're learning the command by doing this. And then you're executing it and you're seeing the output. And likewise, we have a feature that if you have error in your output, we can suggest fixes for it or we can use AI to try to explain it, but we don't hide the output. And so I actually think it's a great way of taking sort of your average developer and trying to up-level them into someone who can be a power user of the tool. Because the terminal is a extremely powerful tool if you can actually master it. And so our attitude there is like, how can we provide like assistance, not so much hiding the complexity, but making the complexity comprehensible and making it faster for people to learn. Uh, And so that's like the approach there. And then conversely, a lot of the features that we have in Warp are not about learning, they're about efficiency. And so if you're a already like a pretty strong terminal user, strong developer, that's a developer that we want using Warp. We're trying to make them be able to use it more quickly, save them keystrokes, save them time, save them wasted time from copying and pasting and sharing. Like there's all of these sort of UI frictions that add up that we're trying even for the most experienced developers, we want Warp to be like a 10 times better terminal. And so it's it's really for both. So if a developer wanted to use it today, you said it's on Mac, right? It's something that I yeah. could just go download on Mac. Okay. And is there like a subscription associated with that? No, it's free software. You can install it via Brew or you can download it. There's a paid plan that we're just piloting, which is for small teams. I can sort of explain like the collaborative features, but it's about, um, you know, there is a cloud and team aspect 
that is something that's new in the terminal. It's something that has like a kind of server piece associated with it as a cost that is what we ask people to pay for. But no, basically all of the single user terminal functionality that we've launched is free for individuals to use on Mac. You can get it on warp.dev where you can do brew install dash dash cask warp and you'll get it that way. One thing that people will notice, and this is a thing that we get a lot of we'll say constructive criticism or feedback on, is like warp, you have to log into it. So I don't want anyone to be surprised by that. And the reason that we ask users to log in is that there is a cloud sort of component to this app, whether it's using the AI features or with Warp Drive, which is a new feature that we just launched. There's the ability to start storing all of your you know, frequently used terminal commands and storing your settings and even collaborating with your teammates through Warp. And all of that stuff requires the concept of user identity, which is why we ask users to log in. So that that's, but there's no paywall associated with using uh, using it right now. The way that we're taking classic software and putting it into the cloud has mixed, rea- mixed reactions from a lot of people, but it's indisputable that when you have a collaborative workspace, you get a lot of higher level outputs that you wouldn't expect before. I would love to see, for example, statistics on my terminal, what commands I'm running, how they're being used, and maybe share that with somebody. Totally see where you're coming from with the login perspective. I'd love to hop into the warp drive stuff because I know that's something that's just coming out. Before before we do that, though, I just want to remind our listeners that this podcast is brought to you by LogRock. And LogRock kind of is taking a similar approach to the on the cloud front here where you can get up and running really quick and get error tracking, product analytics, user feedback, heat maps, all sorts of stuff into this general cloud dashboard where you and your team can solve bugs, find them faster, and spend less time in the console. So head over to logrocket.com today and you can spend more time building and less time debugging in your own little local silo. So powers of cloud, powers of collaboration, try it out today. So Warp Drive, Zach, is that's a new thing. That just dropped, right? Yep, two weeks ago we launched it. And it's all about collaboration and sharing efficiency to my understanding i'm that i'm just glossing over it so so what what it is you could think of it a little bit like google drive for your terminal the idea is that there are certain things that you do in the terminal or that your teammates do that would be useful to save and have a a way of looking them up and then sharing them and so you know just to give concrete examples like we have some commands that we run on our team to whitelist IPs to access certain parts of our production infrastructure. And we have some commands that we run if you are doing like cherry picks to do a release. And so what Warp Drive is, it's a spot directly inside of Warp where you can save these templated commands, which we call them workflows. It's like a command, a description, a name. You can parameterize them. You can give the parameters descriptions and then you save them. And then by default, those things are saved for you. So wherever you access Warp, you have you, you can pull them up in like your command entry, like search dialog. But then you also have the ability to make a team and start building up directly in the terminal, like your team's like terminal knowledge base. And so these shared commands are the first thing that we're launching in Warp Drive. We're working on a second thing, which is a like a terminal notebook format, essentially, where you can actually put a good thing and be like, how do you do a release? Or what are the terminal tools that you should use when firefighting? And so you can put that type of documentation directly into the tool itself and have it shareable by your team. And yeah, this is something that we launched a couple weeks ago. It's in a it's in a preview mode, but we've 
we've actually we've gotten a bunch of traction from existing users and some new users on it even and i think it's a cool first step in the direction of how do you make the command line a collaborative space not just a space for an individual developer and i know you folks also just got a series b from sequoia capital right it's yes. a big event so so what's what's coming then what are you excited about that isn't yet in warp drive yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that I'm really excited about in general. Warp Drive, I think this sort of like evolution of it is that it should be one spot for you and your team, all of their terminal related stuff. And workflows and notebooks are two initial things. I think some concept of a project makes sense. So some way of organizing like on a per project basis, what is all of the terminal stuff? Launch configuration, so the ability to set up your terminal in a specific way is the thing that we think should be shareable. Even more fun stuff like theming, I think makes sense as like a shareable thing across the team. So basically anything that you might do could go in here. And then I think there's also more like clever stuff that we can do that's more interactive where it's like you can imagine a shared feature that lets you like, hey, if you experience some particular terminal error, you could have like a trigger for like, oh, here's how someone else on my team fixed that. And like surface that leveraging the the communal knowledge and like activity of the team is really exciting. A second like big bucket of things that we're really excited about is, again, this is so much hype about it. It's hard to distinguish, but it's AI in the terminal, which I think actually for the terminal use case is pretty compelling. And so we already have a couple features that 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 are AI driven. So one is what I mentioned before, which is you can go from natural language to a command. And then we also have a sort of deeper chat-based interface where it's like you can, if you a common use case, be like, I have some error. I'm trying to figure out how to do something on my server. How do I do that? And the AI directly in Warp will walk you through it. It's able to seamlessly understand your terminal outputs and then suggest things for you to run. And so you don't have to do any context switching while you use it, which is pretty cool. As we think a little bit bigger, where does that go? I think exploring the the sort of um, use cases of AI agents within the terminal are super interesting. You know, everything in the terminal today works as sort of a command at a time. I think there's like a pretty cool concept of instead of just being like, can you give me the command? You could ask an AI to help you actually solve a problem or do something at a higher level of abstraction. And that might result in the production of several commands or many commands. And some of them might need your approval. Some of them might be autonomously doable. But the idea of having a super experienced AI, CLI buddy who's always there to help you solve things, I think is a really compelling direction to go. So yeah, I think like intelligence, collaboration. And then honestly, finally, I still think there's a lot of stuff to do just with the improve the core user experience of the terminal. So like looking at use cases that developers like might encounter a bunch of friction in, like for instance, if you do the thought experiment of like, how do you make working with logs much better in, in the terminal environment? I think that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could do around being smarter about how you work with logs. So there's, there's a lot to do. What we really would like to do long-term in addition to building these types of features is actually turn warp into something that other developers can contribute to more and can build on more. We have some extension points right now, for instance, like developers can contribute themes, they can contribute workflows, but we would like as we as the product gets more mature to turn warp 
a little bit into more of like an ecosystem or a platform where developers who are interested in making the command line experience much better. I actually think there's a lot of them. There's some massively popular open source projects that are just around improving the terminal. We want to enable those developers to tailor the Warp experience for our community of users. We mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you've worked on these collaborative Google projects, people editing live, people editing together, and you're the guy to bring that sort of interactivity into the space. So are you foreseeing a future where we have something akin to seeing like Matt's pointer up here and, and the text he's highlighting? So the answer is yes. So I think we started with asynchronous collaboration. So meaning like we, start, we started like building up a library or knowledge base. We are now exploring and actively working on the actual like live two people, one session, group of people, one firefighting session, which I think is like a pretty, it's going to be a pretty cool experience once you have the ability to do that. And I like the types of use cases I think it unlocks are things like, you know, you used to be able to like go or not tap on someone's shoulder just to ask them how to fix something. I think having the ability to like do a joint debugging session live via a shared terminal is cool. I think uh, in firefighting situations, having the ability to see what commands are being run, you know, in a higher fidelity way than like Zoom or screen sharing, which is the fallback time and time again. I think it's been proven that it's much better to have a native sharing experience where you can like independently scroll and select text and copy paste and suggest commands and that that type of thing. So the answer is yes, we're working on that. As part of that, we're also working on like, how do we you know, we're Mac only right now, which is not the goal or plan. The goal is to make Warp available on Windows, Linux, and the web. And so we're actively working on expanding platform support. We started on Mac just because it's with a startup, it's better to sort of start focus and make sure that the product is good for some deep use cases before like increasing the, the sort of breadth of surface area that you have to maintain. You know, we're working on on more platforms. And I think the web platform is especially interesting because it makes some of these like collaboration and sharing use cases so much easier if you're if your sharing is based on a on just a link based model rather than on like native like native app sharing, which is doable but not as not as frictionless. What other sorts of team dynamics do you see already being disrupted and maybe hope to be disrupted in the coming quarters as you unleash these new features? Yeah, so the the one big trend is how do you standardize and centralize environments that developers are working in? And there's a bunch of different approaches to doing this. There are things like code spaces and Gitpod and that are very like verticalized. The spreading of information across multiple systems right now, away from the tools where the information is used, is like a I think a big time waster and it makes it harder to standardize on things. Our feeling is like by bringing the information into the place that you use it, bringing the documentation, bringing all of the like actions you might take, bringing the ability to search across knowledge, bring, being the, bringing the ability to like real-time collaborate and all this stuff will make the productivity of working in a consistent environment a lot easier. The sort of disruption there is like, going from a world of like siloed individual setups where people waste a lot of time looking for stuff or figuring out how to do it to a world where people are natively in the tool on the same page and able to share knowledge and contact and collaborate either asynchronously or in real time together. That's the big shift. 
Yeah, I can almost see people that would traditionally not sit next to somebody who's operating or debugging sitting there. Or maybe they don't need to physically sit there, right? Because they're coming out with sharing features and actually learning how the infrastructure works, how the environments work. Yeah, I mean, the other cool thing about this is it's not limited to teams at companies or something like that. Like, I think there is a powerful world where if you are using like a an open source tool, for instance, that has a CLI and has a bunch of documentation, we want to make it possible for that stuff to be like... Sh- in basically inserted directly in the terminal. So there's like a kind of community ecosystem that we want to foster as well. So not just like private team, like knowledge sharing. So we're trying to set up the infrastructure right now to make all of that possible. And I do think that's this just will be a very different way of developers using the command line and actually and developers just doing their day-to-day job. It's like they should be doing it in a space that is very tightly connected to all the other developers on their team. What are some thoughts, I'll call them security thoughts, security concerns, or uh, vulnerabilities that maybe people have pointed out and brought up that you guys have historically tackled and are currently thinking about? I think that, you know, the main thing that's that's different is that Warp is like a cloud-connected, cloud-native app. When If you're working in normal terminal, everything is local. Now, we've been like very careful to be like, users choose what goes into Warp's cloud. So it takes like an explicit action, meaning like there's no, Warp does not store any commands you run. We don't send them off of your local machine. You have to do something that explicitly uses a cloud feature in order for Warp Warp's cloud to see these things at all. So for instance, like you have to like ask AI for help with something, or you have to explicitly save command to Warp's cloud. You know, for that reason, the sensitive stuff that is explicit is flowing through terminals is generally not something that warp has any access to on the on the server side and so that drastically limits the any of the sort of like typical security concerns that people would have going forward i actually think we have a chance to make the terminal much more secure like historically like cloud native apps are have better security than like totally unmanaged not like desktop apps and so for instance a feature that we could add for enterprises is the ability to control the configuration of people's terminals. You know, right now what people will do is they'll they'll be like, okay, I want to configure my terminal to work some way. And so they'll Google for something and they'll get some snippet of script that they'll stick in an RC file. And then all of a sudden you have untrusted third-party code running against your local file system, which is, I think, the opposite of what most companies would want. So I think there's like a central administration feature. We're actually right now doing a pretty cool like a hack week feature that I'm working on with an, a couple engineers on our team where we do something where we try to detect if you're printing anything that's sensitive to the terminal console and like elide it. Meaning if you accidentally print out an API key or you print out like IP addresses that you don't want leaked And if you're in the situation where you're like screen sharing your terminal and you don't want other people to see that stuff, we're going to have the ability for you to have the terminal catch that for you. The short answer is I get the trepidation around cloud-based models. We had this with Google Sheets and Google Docs, of course, like people were scared to put their stuff there. But at the end of the day, there's so many other risks around unsecured local software, you losing your laptop, around not having like central administration for these tools. I think the cloud security model will actually eventually be a feature for us, not a concern. And building on you know the personal security here and 
storing your commands you don't store. Do you feel there's a, a market as well for maybe enterprise customers? You already alluded to just limiting the scope of that which certain employees and certain departments can access and how they can access it. For sure. This isn't our short-term focus, but I think it's, to be clear, we're a venture-backed business. We're trying to build a sustainable business model. And so we're always looking for what are ways that we could add value that a business buyer might want to pay for. And the notion of like a business buyer being like, okay, I want to centralize the way that, that our command line works. And they want to do that for security reasons. They also might want to do that just for productivity reasons, like having everyone have a onboard into a standard environment, I think is pretty compelling. But for sure, that's the thing that we're looking at. I would say today, our focus is much more still on like individuals and recently on small teams trying to increase their productivity. We tend to build first with the developer in mind and really wanting to build something like that the person who's actually using the tool will love. But longer term, we are also definitely thinking about ways that we can build something that's attractive for someone who's buying things for the enterprise. I'm going to throw you a question out from left field that isn't necessarily related to Warp here, but we're, we have an audience of web developers and React lovers and beyond. Yeah. I didn't forget the Svelte people, don't worry. But listening to this cast right here. So what are maybe some web-specific things that you just, you're crazy about right now that you think are cool that maybe have moved the needle for your teams? Yeah, so I guess we didn't really touch on this, but Warp is built uh, in Rust primarily. But as I mentioned, we're going to do a, actually, we're working on it right now, a web rendering of it. The world of web that we're in, which is pretty interesting, is the world of like WebAssembly, WebGPU, WebGL. And so trying to figure out all of like how that tool chain works and going from like a really high performance native app written for the desktop in Rust to having that same type of performance, but still having not like doing an insane amount of low-level work to make it work on the web is what is where we are at right now. Um, so that's where most of our like engineering stuff is going. For people who are more like web-oriented, we have a lot of them who also use Warp. And the value there is in the nice like workflows and completions that we have for a bunch of web tools. So Node, NPM, all, all of those tools. Any like web-based CLI you're using. Docker, we actually have really great integrations with. Yeah, that's like... That's kind of my take on web stuff. But yeah, we're, we're primarily in, built in Rust, which has been a pretty cool experience, actually. Is this the first time that you've led a team into using Rust in, in, in seriousness? Yeah, it is the first time. We chose Rust primarily for performance reasons. It was informed a lot, actually, by my time at Google. And it was the Google Sheets, Google Docs is built in JavaScript, more or less. It's actually more complicated than that. It's actually a lot of it is like transpiled from Java to JavaScript. But like the thing that runs in the browser is JavaScript. And then there is some more advanced web tech like Canvas or SVG renderings that we do. But we always have a lot of performance problems. And I think, honestly, I think Google Docs, like Google Sheets still has these exact performance problems. And so for Warp, one of the performance challenges is just like, rendering huge amounts of scrollable text is like a notoriously performance intensive thing. We ended up picking Rust as a stack. Rust plus we go directly to to the GPU APIs on Mac, so to Metal, and we're going to be doing the same thing on the web. Uh, and that's actually, you know, there's a learning curve to Rust, but I'm like a huge fan of, of Rust at this point. I think it's a great language. Is, is there anything that you'd want to share with our listeners as we're wrapping up? Anything you want to plug? 
Uh, yeah, well, I'd love for people to try Warp. It's still early. I'd love people to give us feedback. Like we read every piece of feedback and try to respond to all of it. We are still growing our, our team. So I, I'm sure you have a lot of super talented engineers, product people, designers who listen to this podcast. We're still hiring if people are interested in what we're doing. Um, no, other than that, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. It's been a pleasure, Zach. And just to drive it home, if you're listening, you want to check it out, warp.dev. There, I got the .dev domain here. Warp.dev. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, Zach. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot, Paul.